It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Wrapping up the NL East, we have the Atlanta Braves, who have a farm system, while not great on paper, almost perfectly suited to their major league roster. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Okay, so the Atlanta Braves, really interesting show today, right? Because this is the system that I know more about than any other uh, team. This is the Atlanta Braves. That's my team. And then also, as managing editor of Bravestoday.com, like I've spent this entire week doing prospect week, writing up prospect evaluations and things like that. So if you want written reports on the top 31 prospects in this system, as well as all kinds of Brave news, Braves news and things like that, uh, Bravestoday.com is the source for all of that. Uh, I'm the managing editor. A couple other Locked On folks work on there, including Jake Mastriani of Locked On Braves, one of our analysts who gives great stuff every time he gets a chance to sit down and, and put his thoughts uh, down about this Atlanta Braves team and how they can be better. Okay, so this farm system, common consensus here is this is not a great system. And... By that, when you look at the system on paper compared to other farm systems, there is not nearly the depth of talent for the Atlanta Braves that other teams have. And probably going to say this a lot. I've written this up recently at Bravesoday.com. But this farm system, while not being deep on paper, is probably one of the better marriages of farm system strengths to major league roster weaknesses, right? Because the Atlanta Braves are in a very unique position at the major league level because that major league team has long-term control over every single defensive position, right? Whether it's Sean Murphy at catcher, Matt Olson at first base, Austin Riley at third base, Ronald Acuna Jr., Michael Harris, and now Jared Kelnick in the outfield. You have long-term control over everybody. Your first openings is your DH after 24, potentially, if you don't pick up the option, 
your backup catcher in Travis Darno after 24 if you don't pick up the option. And your shortstop, I believe Orlando RC is 2026. And so because of that, you don't nearly have the need to develop position players in the farm system. But what you do need is pitching. Max Freed will be a free agent after 24. Charlie Morton will be a free agent after 2024. You've got Strider and Sale and a bunch of prospects. And that is where this organization is properly set up to give you contributors at the major league level because that is the strength of this farm system is pitching prospects. Over there at Braves today, of the top 31 prospects in the system, 19 of them are pitchers, including 10 of the top 15. And this group is highlighted by two guys who I feel like by 2025 can be postseason starters for you. And one of them was almost a postseason starter last year in right-hand pitchers Hurston Waldrop and A.J. smith Shaver. They are the unquestioned top two pitching prospects in this system and reportedly have been asked for in trades when Atlanta was trying to see if they could get Dylan Cease or Tyler Glasnow, all those other guys. They it This has not been confirmed by Alex Anthopoulos, but it feels like that was the stopping point in making those deals was not wanting to give up either one of these guys. So... Let's talk about A.J. smith Shaver first, because he got time in the majors last year. Seventh rounder in 2021 out of high school. And he's a guy that was really new to pitching when Atlanta took him. He was playing both baseball and football in high school. And so he never concentrated full-time on being a pitcher until he got drafted by Atlanta. And yet, in his second year in professional baseball, he went from high A all the way to the majors and pitched in the postseason, in the minors, 15 games between high A, double A, and triple A. AJ Schmishaver went four and two with a 276 ERA in 62 innings, 79 strikeouts, 11 and a half per nine, 233 walks, 4.8 per nine, and four home runs allowed, so 0.6 per nine innings. In the majors, six appearances, five of those were starts. His first, his, his debut was in relief against the Diamondbacks, and then he switched into a starting role. He went 1-0 with a 4-2-6 ERA in 25 and a third innings. 20 strikeouts to 11 walks and 7 home runs. And the talent is, the, the athleticism, the raw talent is off the charts for A.J. Smith-Shaver. He is the best athlete on this, in the minor league system. He is the best athlete and probably one of the three best athletes including the major league roster. I'd put Ronald Acuna Jr., probably Michael Harris, and A.J. Smith-Shaver amongst your best athletes in the entire system. And you can see the raw talent by the fact he was able to come up and pitch at the major league level in his at age 20. Alex Anthopoulos made a great point at the winter meetings, actually after I asked him about it, where he said Hurston Waldrop or A.J. Smith-Shaver would be entering his junior year of college. And this dude pitched in the postseason for us. Like, that's how talented he is. The fastball is very good. It sits mid-90s. He can run it up to 100. And up in the zone, it gets not only an above-average amount of induced vertical break, but it's elite numbers of induced vertical break. It's close to 20 inches of induced vertical break. And if you want a whole primer on fastball shape and induced vertical break and what you're looking for on this, Go back to the Pittsburgh Pirates episode, segment one. We talked about induced vertical break and what numbers are good and bad from the context of Paul Skeens and what his fastball looked like. He's 
to go along with that fastball, AJ Smith-Shaver's throwing a slider, and then he brought the curveball back. So when Atlanta first got him, and they do this with a lot of guys, they'll say, hey, if you have multiple breaking balls, that's fine. We're going to, usually they end up asking you to shelf the curveball and work on the slider, get that to where it needs to be, and then we'll bring the curveball back for you. So Smith-Shaver didn't throw a lot of curveballs in 22, brought it back during the season in 23. And so curveball, mostly vertical breaking curveball, slider, mostly horizontal breaking slider, and then a changeup. So you've got all four directions. You've got multiple velocity bands. The curveball's in the upper 70s. The changeup and the slider are both in the mid 80s. And then the fastball, again, is mid 90s, touching 100 sometimes. Uh, the thing with AJ Smithshaver is the control is good enough. The command isn't quite there yet. So AJ Smithshaver walked 4.8 guys per nine innings in the minors, 3.9 in the majors. So it got better in the majors. But you remember, control is your ability to get the ball in the strike zone. Command is your ability to hit the target. And if you go into MLB StatCast and you look at the spray charts for A.J. Smith-Shaver, it's oftentimes, it feels like you don't quite know exactly where that pitch is going. And being able to better land the secondaries for strikes, I think is going to be one of the big development steps that you need to see from A.J. Smith-Shaver to have him in a major league rotation for a full season and for him to be successful. Some of the home runs that you see end up because he's missing breaking pitches and he's missing in the zone versus out of the zone. And so all of a sudden that slider gets hung, that curveball gets hung, it gets rocked. The other top prospect in this system, Hurston Waldrip, the uh, first rounder last year out of Florida, he led all my uh, all 2023 draftees in strikeouts after the draft. Went all the way to AAA. So eight starts, 29 in the third innings. Struck out 41 batters, so 12.6 per nine, to 16 walks, 4.9 per nine. One total home run, ERA just over one and a half. And Hurston Waldrop, fastball, splitter, and then a curve and a slider. And the fastball splitter is really the thing here. So it's a vertical game, fastball up in the zone, mid-90s, he can touch 99 with it. And then the splitter, one of the best secondary pitches in the draft last year. If, if not the best, probably top three. And the key for Hurston Waldrop, and something we're going to be watching for, it came out on Friday morning, he's officially been invited to spring training, is he has to be able to consistently land the splitter in the zone for strikes. If you remember watching, I think Jake mentioned this when he and I talked about Hurston Waldrop the other day on Locked on Braves. If you watch the College World Series, the days that he's not able to consistently land the splitter in the zone for strikes, opposing batters can just disregard it, right? And when that happens, he becomes a one-dimensional pitcher. Because the curve and slider are Decent pitches, vertical breaking curveball, horizontal breaking slider, for the most part. That's not perfect, but that's the rough, the rough idea. Four to five mile an hour velocity difference between the two, but the bread and butter is the fastball splitter combo. And Hurston Waldrop has to be able to bring that splitter into the zone consistently to uh, keep batters watching for that and allow the fastball to get swings and misses up in the zone. So curious to see what happens. I don't know how much run he gets at the major league level in 2024. It's all going to come down to that control 
of the fastball and the splitter, both, as well as some sort of improvement in one of those two secondaries where the team feels like it's good enough for him to consistently stick in the major league rotation. In just a minute, let's talk about the players you may see in 2024. Not a giant list, but I've got a couple names you probably aren't aware of. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. We are a week out from the Super Bowl. Happy Super Bowl week to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, you really enjoy all of the fun bets around the Super Bowl. The prop bets, who's going to score first, the anthem, the color of the Gatorade, all that kind of fun stuff. So not only can you bet on who's going to win the Super Bowl, uh, but you, they also have bets for who's going to score a touchdown, who will score first, the type of touchdown scored, receiving, defensive, rushing, whatever, how many points will get scored, all kind of stuff like that. New customers can join FanDuel today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And you can go take advantage of all of the fun Atlanta Braves props. 100.5 wins is the over under for this team. They have the second best odds at plus 280 to win the National League behind the Dodgers at plus 175. The Braves also have the second best odds to win the World Series at plus 550 behind the Los Angeles Dodgers. Ronald Acuna Jr. is the favorite for National League MVP. Spencer Strider is the favorite for National League Cy Young. So ton of Max Fried is fifth at plus 1300 for the Cy Young. So tons of fun bets involving the Braves. FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so looking at Braves players that you will see in 2024. We've already mentioned AJ Smith Shaver and Hurston Waldrop. I feel that barring injury, you're definitely going to see both of them. But looking at other players, it's not an incredibly amazing list. And I think that's one of the things that concerns a little bit of people with this is a lot of their best prospects aren't necessarily ready to help you at the major league level in 2024. So some of the guys you have farther down the list, we have Dylan Dodd at number 19 on the Braves Today rankings. Last year, okay, the third rounder, 2021, was competing for a job in spring training and looked like one of the best pitchers in the Grapefruit League, him and Jared Schuster both, and then struggled at the major league level when he finally got up. So Seven games in MLB, most of them to open the year. Two and two with an ERA of 7.6 in 34 and a third innings. 15 strikeouts to 12 walks, gave up nine home runs. So the issue here is the stuff isn't necessarily that great. His fastball sits around 92 or so. He can touch 96 with it when everything's going right, but sits around 92 or so. He's got a slider in the low 80s. He's got a changeup in the low 80s, and then he's got a cutter in the mid 80s. He doesn't necessarily throw enough. So most of the slider's movement is, it's not entirely horizontal. It's a little more of a traditional slider shape. So the cutter does give you something different, but there's not a lot of velocity difference between the two. And again, he doesn't throw the cutter a lot. So you really have two velocity bands, low 90s on the fastball, low 80s for the slider and changeup. And you only have a couple different directions here. And so because of that, 
it's something where the margin for error is so slim, right? He has to be able to throw to throw strikes to not get behind in the counts to guys. He has to be able to hit his locations because the raw stuff isn't necessarily good enough for him to survive in the zone, right? It's that old conversation that we've had before about a pitch at 98 miles an hour down the middle is harder to hit than a pitch at 92 miles an hour on the black. That's the Dylan Dodd thing, right? You have to be able to, he has to hit his locations. He has to sequence well, because if he doesn't, this raw stuff isn't necessarily survivable on a long-term basis in the major leagues. And that's the same story with some of these other pitchers who contribute for you. So think about Alan Winans and Darius Vines. Both of these guys put up ERAs in AAA under three. Vines in 34 innings had a 2.36. Winans in 126 innings had a 2.85. But at the major league level, varying amounts of success. Winans working exclusively as a starter, 32 innings, ERA of like just under 5.3. Vines got a start, some relief stuff late in the season. He put up an ERA just under four in 20 innings. And the thing here for both guys is the same, it's the same issue is you don't have a ton of velocity to give you a comfortable margin for error. Alan Winans had a great second start against the Mets. And some of that was, this is the team that drafted me. This is the team that gave up on me. They ended up going with, uh, they let me leave in the rule five draft, the minor league portion and the Braves took me. And so I'm out for vengeance. He did great against them the first time, but then the second time he faced them, the very next start, they rocked him because his stuff, same issue. His stuff isn't good enough to survive on its own. He's relying on locations and sequencing. The fastball, he throws both two and four seamers, but they're like 90 miles an hour. Change up in the low 80s, it's his primary secondary pitch. He's also got a slider that he really uses just against lefties. And so it's a four-pitch mix, but none of it's a power look. And it is pitches that, again, reliant on location and sequencing. Vines isn't in as bad of a spot as Winans. I feel like simply because Vines has a little bit more as far as weapons he can use, right? He's still, same thing, he's still sitting with a fastball that's around 90 miles an hour. A little bit more vertical breakup in the zone, about 17 inches or so. But then he's got a low 80s changeup, just like Winans, and then he's got a cutter. He added that cutter last year during the year, and then a slider. So a little bit more margin for error because a little bit harder on the cutter than you're looking at with the changeup and the slider. But same kind of scenario here. He has to be crisp with what he does. Uh, Locations, sequencing, all of that, because the raw stuff isn't good enough to survive. Two other guys you may see some this year. One of them, sleeper in the system, I feel like. He's actually been on this show. Everydayers have seen this guy before. Left-hand pitcher Hayden Harris. 2022 undrafted free agent out of Georgia Southern. And last year, 40 games between single A, high A, double A. ERA of just over four and 59 in the third innings. 91 strikeouts, 12.9 per nine. to 24 walks, 4.4 per nine and five home runs allowed. It's a great story here, and the thing for Hayden Harris is 
It's a fastball slider pairing. These are the two pitches that he throws predominantly. But the fastball velocity, I mean, it's 93, 94, but he has a really low release point. So it's a very flat approach angle. And then it has a better than average induced vertical break up in the zone. So it outplays that 93 miles an hour velocity. The slider is like a late-breaking, hard power slider look. And so, again, another pitch that plays up a little bit. One, the tunnel it gets off the fastball. And then two, the release point, the approach angle, all of that. And so, a guy that the Braves are really high on. They brought him up for the squad games prior to the NLDS. He had some good performances against some major league regulars. I believe he struck out Kevin Pillar. And so, a guy that probably goes back to double-A to start the year, could be triple-A. You could see him when they need a reliever relatively early this year, so keep an eye on him. And then one more guy, and we're actually going to write an article that's going to go up Friday evening about this guy, but David Baldwin, catcher in the organization, hit like, he, he only hit 17 home runs last year, but it's also one of those not great minor league systems for power, whether it's Augusta, whether it's Rome, whether it's Mississippi is an awful part for power production. And so what Drake Baldwin gives you, was it, sorry, he hit 14 home runs, batted 260. But the second half of the year, uh, he batted 340, 446, 556 and had almost identical walk and strikeout rates. Something where his contact rate, 75%. When he got into AAA late in the year, it was like 78%. And defensively, he's not, like, he's decent. He's not amazing defensively, but he's not bad. And so to me, the role for Drake Baldwin, the immediate role for Drake Baldwin is if you have an injury to one of your two major league catchers, to Travis Darno, to Sean Murphy, and for some reason, you either don't want to deal with Chadwick Trump or he's also not available. Drake Baldwin's an option. It's a guy that power-wise, 105.1, 90th percentile exit below, does a decent job defensively. He's a guy that can be your backup catcher, can play once or twice a week. And I think that they want him to eventually be ready for that Travis Darno backup catcher role. So you may see him later in the year this year. Again, you probably need some injuries and things like that to work themselves out first. But either way, keep an eye on Drake Baldwin because you could see him this year. And I think he's in the plans for 25 as a lefty backup catcher who has at least average, if not a little bit above average power and decent contact ability. In just a minute, let's get to the lower level prospects, quite a few promising pitchers. We'll get all these guys next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Final segment of Locked MB Prospects here on uh, Saturday, talking about the Atlanta Braves and some of the lower level guys. There's a lot of guys to go through. Reminder, if you want to read all of the write-ups on all of these guys, bravestoday.com, there's a minor league tab up top. We have all of our stories 
from the minor league stuff. Most of that is me. So obviously, I host a prospect show. I know a little bit about prospects, so I'm usually the one that covers the minor league stuff for Bravestoday.com. Um, okay, J.R. Ritchie, Owen Murphy, Spencer Swellenbach. Those are my three pitchers who are rounding out the top five behind Waldrop and Smith-Shaver. I do think as of right now, there is a tier between Waldrop and Smith-Shaver and those three guys. But all of them are promising pitchers. So Swellenbach, they got him out of Nebraska. He's the lone college guy, but he was in the low minors last year as well because of coming back from the Tommy John. It's a fastball, changeup, curveball, cutter profile, right? So the fastball, upper 90s, he touches 99 on it. Very good up in the zone. The changeup, I really like how much it moves to the arm side and the velocity differential was really good. I've seen a lot of them coming at like 85 miles an hour. It's a vertical breaking curveball. And then a cutter, he doesn't necessarily throw a ton, but it's a good, it's a good cutter. And it feels like as he's coming back from Tommy John last year, you saw the strikeout rate probably wasn't necessarily where you wanted it to be. It was somewhere around like in the low 20s, but the walk rate was only 6%. Obviously, that's one of the harder things to get back is that control after Tommy John. And he's one of your, again, I think probably five pitchers that could one day be postseason starters out of this farm system as it's currently constructed, right? J.R. Ritchie and Owen Murphy, both first-rounders in 2022. Ritchie is behind Murphy because Ritchie had, had an elbow injury, but Murphy had an ERA just under five in 21 starts, most of them in single A, a couple in high A. 113 strikeouts in 89 and two-thirds innings, 11.3 per nine to 32 walks, 3.2 per nine, and gave up nine home runs. The thing for Murphy, and to a lesser extent, Richie, is polishing those secondary offerings. So Murphy's one, I guess velocity two for Murphy. So Murphy's sitting low 90s on his fastball, does really well up in the zone, but given the frame, he's listed at 6'1", 195. He doesn't look that big when you see him in person. I got a chance to see him, I think, twice last year. Uh, but Plays really well up in the zone. He's got a curveball and then behind it, a slider and a change. And it's really a two-pitch mix right now. It's really fastball, curveball. Doesn't throw the slider a ton. Doesn't throw the change a ton. But really good athlete. The command is there. It just he feels like he needs to get a little bit better with the secondaries. And then he needs to be a little bit better as far as the velocity and the movement characteristics of the fastball. For Richie... A lot of that just ends up coming back to uh, recovery from the Tommy John. The fastball, mid-90s, he ran it up to 97, 98. I liked when I saw the slider, mostly a sweeper kind of look, low 80s. The changeup looked to be pretty decent as well. He's not, I don't think he's going to be back until the second half of the year. I've seen a couple videos of him throwing there in there. I think it's, I think it's Hawaii where he is. Uh, but seeing some of him throwing, he looks to be doing pretty well in the return. Don't quite know exactly where he is yet. David McCabe and Ignacio Alvarez are two interesting position player options. So McCabe drafted as a well, drafted after uh, playing first base in college, but Atlanta's had him at third, and I don't quite think it's going to stick. Right, so I, I think he's going to have to move back to first base. But McCabe. 276, 386, 450 between single A and high A last year. 17 homers, 41 extra base hits, 80 walks to 113 strikeouts, 
and 10 of 12 on stolen bases. And then Alvarez spent the entire year in high, in high A, 284, 395, 391, 31 extra base hits, only seven homers, 16 to 21 on stolen bases. And the thing here is there's things to work on for each guy. McCabe is surprisingly well-rounded as far as contact rate over 80%, 10 stolen bases. So he's not just like a power guy. He's got some contact ability. He's got a little bit of speed. But I think with McCabe, the future role you're looking at is trying to see if he can be a backup first baseman and a DH for you. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, again, he is in team control through 24, has a club option for 25. But I think ideally you start McCabe off at double A. McCabe can go double A to triple A this year and can at least be an option to rotate into the mix as soon as 25. And then for Alvarez, he's in a really weird spot because he doesn't quite hit with the for the, like the power that you would need from a third baseman, but not everybody's convinced that defensively he's good enough for short. Right, So his power numbers, it's like 102.2 on his 90th percentile exit velocity, so just under MLB average, but he's still a little bit young. And the contact rate's really good, like 85% last year. I think the thing for Ignacio Alvarez, your best case scenario is he ends up in a position like an Orlando Arcia, where the arm is good, the range isn't necessarily great, but he can make the plays he needs to make at shortstop. And then he's a decent contact hitter with enough power to give you some pop there. I think the worst case scenario is that the defense doesn't stick and he ends up having to to stay at third base. And now you have an atypical profile of a third baseman who doesn't hit for power. And then obviously you end up being blocked at the major league level by Austin Riley, who is fantastic. My, my dart throw in this system is Cody Milligan. This is a guy that I've really, every time I watch him, I'm really impressed because he's just, it feels like he's really frustrating to play against. And I mean that in a good way, right? That's a compliment. But, so, one, power's not necessarily great. He had a slug at a 414 in AA last year in just under 79 games. It was a nice sample, 69 games. But three homers, 24 extra base hits. But he batted 280 with a 377 on base. 23-27 23-27 on stolen bases. And the thing here is really fast, can play all three outfield positions, isn't bad at second base. And so he feels like his future role on this roster is a contact hitting defense and speed option who can, again, be your fourth outfielder, can also be a backup at second base. One of your four bench guys. You probably have a dedicated outfielder there as well. You have him who can do infield and outfield, and then you probably have a guy who can be your backup shortstop, and then your fourth option would be your backup catcher. And so it feels like that's what he's going to do at the next level, but just really frustrating to play against. It feels if you get just a little bit more power and or a full healthy season and the ability to not be in a terrible power hitting ballpark like double A, we're probably talking about him a little bit more. So I want to see what Cody Milligan does this year. Again, I think it's a utility profile that can make the majors. It's just you need a little bit of help, a little bit of work, a little bit of health there to make it happen. Again, if there's some of these guys that you didn't get enough about, you can ask me for the Monday mailbag. We'll put them in there. But also, 
Write-ups for all 31 top prospects in this organization are available at bravestoday.com. Until we talk on Monday, enjoy your weekend, and remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leader. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.